to gain people's respect, you got to earn it. It doesn't come with the title or the position. Welcome to Off the Record, a podcast featuring leaders on IBJ Media's Indiana 250 list. I'm Nate Feltman, CEO of IBJ Media, which publishes the Indiana 250, a list of the most influential business people in the state. Today, I'm joined by Earl Good, a man whose career in business and public service is truly remarkable. Earl's Governor Holcomb's longtime chief of staff and the longest serving chief of staff in state history. His appointment to that very important role was one of the first moves then-Governor-elect Holcomb made after winning the 2016 gubernatorial election. The governor knew exactly who he was getting when he asked Earl to become chief of staff. That's because Governor Holcomb served as Earl's deputy chief of staff when Earl served as chief of staff to another Indiana governor, Governor Mitch Daniels. Prior to serving alongside two two two-term governors, Earl spent nearly 40 years at GTE, now known as Verizon, where he served as president of four different GTE units. It was Earl's retirement from GTE in 2000 that really launched his career in public service and civic affairs. He was president of the Indiana Sports Corp from 2001 to 2004 and later became president of the Indianapolis Capital Improvement Board, which owns most of the city's major sports venues. Between his leadership of both the Sports Corp and the Capital Improvement Board, a board he's still on, Earl has played a leading role in Indy sports strategy. That's in addition to keeping both the Daniels and Holcomb administrations on track. Besides serving on dozens of nonprofit and government boards and commissions, Earl has remained a loyal supporter of Georgetown College, where he played basketball and where both he and his wife, Vicki, were inducted into the school's Hall of Fame in 2021. Earl is a two-time member of our Indiana 250 list of the most influential business people in the state. Earl, it's my pleasure to welcome you to Off the Record Podcast. Thank you, Nate. I'm glad to be here. Earl, I had the good fortune to serve with you in the Daniels administration during Mitch's first term. I left state service 15 years ago, and you're still at it, which is truly remarkable. 13 on your way to 14 years, serving as the chief of staff of two governors. That's a long time and a very demanding job, Earl. What keeps you going? Well, I guess I could talk about been fortunate in life, an opportunity to give back. And maybe originally that was the reason. But quite frankly, after this long period of time, I just enjoy the opportunity to the challenge. Every day's an adventure. I remember uh, that's one of the things I loved about service is that you don't know what's coming each day, right? So when you first went to work for Mitch Daniels, you were quoted, I remember at the time, as saying that you really had never considered government service until that Daniels first gubernatorial campaign. What was it that piqued your interest in the beginning to jump into public service? This will take a second or two, but in all candor, I retired, as you mentioned. And right before I retired, we built a home out in Santa Fe, New Mexico. And a mutual friend of all of us, Jim Morris, because of the art and art auctions, was out there a lot. So he and his wife were visiting on August of 2004. And, of course, the campaign was heating up, and and Jim and Mitch, I guess, go back a long way. And he said, you know, I think Mitch is going to win this fall. You ought ought to think about uh, joining the administration. And I remember thinking at the time, having no idea what I said, he didn't even know who I am from Adam. So that was sort of the end of that. And then lo and behold, Friday after the election on Tuesday, 
I get a call from uh, someone in the transition team that Governor-elect Daniels would like to have breakfast the next morning. So that started the adventure, and I agreed to help one to two years. Initially was Commissioner of Department Administration, and one thing has led to I'm finishing my 15th year. Unbelievable amount of uh, public service uh, that all Hoosiers should be grateful for. Earl, you've served with two popular, successful Indiana governors. You're a common thread between the Daniels and Holcomb administrations. But what else do these two governorships have in common that might explain their success? I think that in addition to doing the normal job of providing government services, uh, public safety, all the things typically required of state government, they both initiated some very impactful programs that in both cases will be generational in impact. And, you know, if you go back and look at Governor Daniels, going back to your secretary of IEDC, he created a whole new economic development approach. Uh, His focus on efficiency and good government. And BMV is a story that's still being told. And by the way, they're still getting people in and out in less than 13 minutes and on and on. What he did, along with uh, the legislature and Department of Education and education reform, vouchers, school choice, charter schools, and so forth, it's got a long life. Introducing private partnerships, the toll road deal, we weren't in the best of shape financially. Balanced budgets, AAA. I guarantee you, no matter what party, no governor is going to lose that AAA if, if at all possible. They'll do anything to make that happen. Tax reform. But probably the thing that I would consider one of his most significant contributions was he created a sense of hope for this state and for all of us as citizens. And if there was ever a classic definition of a change agent, Governor Daniels certainly epitomizes it. And then as you move on to Holcomb, again, with generational kind of impact, certainly without Governor Daniels and the foundation he built, the things that this governor has been able to accomplish in administration probably wouldn't have been possible. But a 20-year infrastructure funding in his first year, The appointment after six or seven governors tried of the Secretary of Education, as opposed to elected, having a true partner will have long-term effects. His focus on teacher compensation. And by the way, when Governor Holcomb started his tenure, I think the average teacher pay was around 40,000, slightly under. This year, they just published the average teacher pay across his state's 58,600. And next year, when that report comes out, I guarantee it'll be at 60 or better. Yeah, it's amazing progress. The broadband effort that he started long before the pandemic that really created the sense that broadband is definitely needed. All the work he's doing with trails, the reading program and funding for the elementary kids, the whole ready focus, and really effort with the kind of fun that's going to generate all across this state, I guarantee you, will still be going on 10 years from now. And probably the last one I'd mention in terms of generational is the public health work. 
that will and can play dividends for this state for a long, long time, and, and we're all so proud to be part of that. I could go on, but my point is, in addition to the normal expectations, both of these governors have been remarkable in the kind of programs they've introduced and be able to sell. Yeah. Listing those makes me think about the fact that both governors have shown that government can make a strong positive difference. And as you mentioned earlier, action-oriented and hope, and that government can be run more like a business and can be good government. And uh, in fact, I think under the Holcomb administration, I think I remember reading or hearing that uh, we rank as one of the top states for most efficient government. And uh, in order to do all the great work that you just laid out, you've got to run government efficiently. Because of the work that both governors, and, and, and I'm not omitting Governor Pence, I'm just not that familiar with the details of that administration, the record-breaking economic development that you were one of the pioneers is remarkable. And the whole retooling of the tools that are available to sell this state. There's no doubt. I told uh, our current Secretary of Commerce in our last one, I'm jealous of all the uh, tools that IEDC has at its disposal today because it is it is remarkable. Well, in the best of times when an administration is functioning at a high level, the chief of staff role tends to be a fairly behind-the-scenes role, but obviously it's a very critical one internally for things to go right. What qualities make for a, an effective chief of staff? And you've been one of those clearly very effective chief. What, what are the qualities that you bring to bear or that are, uh, someone in that position needs to bring to bear to do a, a first-rate job? I don't know whether there's a right or wrong answer to that. But one word you used is extremely important, and that's effective. And I think the first thing that comes to mind in both governors that I've had the chance to, to serve is there's got to be mutual trust and respect between the two individuals. The governor has got to trust and respect that we'll get the job done and give us the freedom to do it, but the chief has also got to believe in what that governor's trying to do and trust and support him because he is the governor. Well, we're always interested, Earl, in learning how leaders on our Indiana 250 list developed their leadership skills. So as you look back at your career and your leadership development, who are some of the people that have had the biggest impact in developing your, your leadership style? Particularly by age, that's a difficult question for this reason. If you go back and think of your school days. There were coaches and teachers that made an impact. If you look at, I spent 40 years with the same company. There were a number of mentors that supported me and coached me and provided mentorship. At this point in life, I mentioned Jim Morris in terms of introducing me to the opportunity to get to know Mitch and so forth. So there's so many people that have influenced my life and when I think about it in terms of leadership skills, there's probably been as many people that have influenced my life by the inappropriate way they led as there has been <laughs> in providing really good techniques and so forth. So you may learn as much from some poor examples as well as you do from strong examples. That makes sense. In other words, I don't want to do it that way. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, and the one thing that is common, though, that I, I left out maybe to my parents and whatever value system I've got, that obviously I'm a product of that. But another thing that I didn't think about till a few minutes ago, my wife, school teacher most many years, and her business partner was a social worker. And when we moved here, shortly after we moved here in the 80s, they started a retail business, neither one with any kind of business background. But they were successful and stayed in business over 30 years in a very competitive business based on two things. They do anything to satisfy a customer, and they understood they got to manage cash to keep the doors open. So they survived pretty successfully for a long time, focusing on customers and cash. And that's not a bad approach to many things in business world. Absolutely. When I think about the businesses I've been involved with, uh, those are the two most important. I agree with you. Those are the two most important. And it probably carries right over to uh, your state service as well. Thinking about nearly 7 million Hoosiers along with uh, you know managing the state's budgets uh, effectively. You mentioned a little bit about core values, and that's another area that we always touch on with Indiana 250 uh, leaders, which is, are there core values that for you, you mentioned uh, some that uh, your wife had when she was running her business, but are there core values today that you uh, make sure that you're living by when you lead in your current role? Both in my corporate life as well as my government service to Governor Daniels and Holcomb. I believe you can't compromise your personal principles. And I've been fortunate the integrity of both administrations are, I think, beyond reproach. And in terms of maybe a, without getting into too much detail, I might share. It might even be helpful. But whether it's a small work group of 10 or 12 or 200 or 20,000, the one thing I've observed and experienced if you're the leader of a group, after you've been in that position for some period of time, it's like looking in a mirror. If you like what you see, it's a well-organized team. They're accomplishing their goals and mission, whatever those might be. They're reflecting your leadership. If it's dysfunctional, there's a lot of conflict. They're reflecting your leadership. And I've shared that with some of the younger folks because I believe that with all my heart. And I also believe that to gain people's respect, you got to earn it. It doesn't come with the title or the position. Great observations. As you look back, Earl, on the two Republican governors that you've worked with, and you listed a long list of accomplishments uh, with both uh, Governor uh, Mitch Daniels and Governor Eric Holcomb, is there one or two that you were maybe more involved with that you say, gosh, I'm really proud that we got that done under either Governor Daniels or Governor Holcomb? It would definitely be hard to select one thing. I think the thing I'm most proud of in that sense is what I mentioned earlier, that both administrations have had accomplishments that will be generational impact, that will touch and hopefully improve your lives long after both administrations are over. And I think in the case with the Governor Daniels administration, we're seeing that. Even 12 years or so, we still are seeing the impact of, of his leadership. And I think that'll be the case for Governor Holcomb as well. In terms of specific projects, these are small. 
in, in some ways. But getting the State Fair Coliseum renovated and getting a White River State Park Concert Center done, uh, I feel really good about those two. And I could go into a lot of reasons why, but I'm proud of those. Your team with Governor Holcomb has a little over a year left to continue governing. What big things or what are you focused on as a governor focused on in the time that's left? Well, he's got a couple other wrinkles that he'll be introducing a little later this year. But from a big picture standpoint, Nate, we've been so fortunate as a state and as administration. The last two budgets have yielded substantial amount of work to do. And clearly, this governor is focusing on running to the finish line and get as many of these things done as possible, including the largest capital program in the state's history. Well, over a billion and a half dollars in new capital for state buildings, and that's probably more than has been done in the last 40 years combined. Let's take a quick break. This is Off the Record Podcast. Get caught up on the state's top business news every business day with the Inside Indiana Business Radio On Demand podcast. Available now at InsideIndianaBusiness.com, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Off the Record Podcast. I'm Nate Feltman, CEO of IBJ Media, and I'm talking with Earl Good, Chief of Staff to Governor Holcomb. So shifting over a little bit to sports in Indiana, you've previously been president of the Indiana Sports Corp. And going back to your time at GTE, I know you've been involved with some pretty high-profile sporting events here, like the tennis championships and a senior golf tour event. Were you first introduced to the sports movement in Indy through your work at GTE? Well, actually, earlier in my career, in some other assignments, uh, for instance, uh, I used to be president of uh, GTE of the Southwest headquartered in Dallas, in conjunction with SMU, we were involved in originating the first Doc Walker Award for the top running back in the country. And actually, with Mr. Walker, I had the opportunity to present the first couple before it became part of the big deal that where they put them all together. I was on the executive committee for the Cotton Bowl for several years. And so... Previous assignments, I had gotten involved. And, of course, down there we had the Byron Nelson Golf Tournament and getting to know Mr. Nelson. So it was easy moving into uh, getting back involved as, as I retired. And I was certainly never part of governance of the sports court here, but we were, as a company, very supportive. And so it was, it was a nice transition back into public life so to speak, in Indianapolis. And do I have it right? Back in the day, you did some high school and college uh, basketball officiating some, some years ago? I'm so old. That, yeah, I did for 18 years. And the last year I worked was the last year of two-man crews. This will tell you my age. I've worked a high school game or two with a couple of Hall of Famers. Wes Unsel when he was in high school, and Louisville Seneca and Butch Beard when he was in Breckenridge. So, yeah, I, I love basketball. And you played when you were in college, you played as well. Well, in high school, I played a lot. In college, I, I was a hell of a practice player. <laughs> <laughs> Staying on the sports theme, in Indy is a regular Final Four host, as you know, and many other events like that, including the Super Bowl. And next year, and not too distant future, we're going to host the NBA All-Star Game. 
How would you describe the health of our local sports and tourism industry? Do you think we're going to continue to see an upward trajectory there? I think if you look this very moment, I think we're in as good a shape as we've ever been for a couple of reasons. Certainly hosting the entire NCAA tournament, all 67 games, really created a lot of buzz, as we all know. But the other thing that, and I'm sort of getting at this through my experience on the CIB board, we were one of the few places, particularly the second year of the pandemic, that was open for business for a number of events that were scheduled in Chicago or Orlando or whatever. And we figured out how to make it work and keep people safe. And that's created a lot of brand loyalty. Now, saying that, I think we are at a very good place. But I do applaud the leadership of the Sports Corps in their current effort to revisit our past and begin to think about what's important as we approach 2050. As we know, there are a lot of cities that are jealous of what we have, and cities like Nashville and others are wanting to try to come and take some of the, the great uh, events that we host. So we got to stay on our game, don't we? No question. Well, switching gears, Earl, in 2016, I know you were part of a small group that founded the Mitch Daniels Leadership Foundation to create a new generation of business and community leaders for Indiana. Can you tell us how that came about and why you think that's important? That's correct. How that came about is Mitch, particularly as he was approaching his last year, he was so respected. And so a number of folks approached, as his chief of staff, me about various ideas to, to honor Mitch, everything from statues to whatever. And one of the ideas was some involvement where Representative Hamilton and Senator Luger down at Bloomington and it was getting some momentum, and I was aware that there were some other discussions going on called Purdue and him becoming president. So I called his first chief of staff, Harry Gonzo, and, and by the way, he was one of the groups thinking about something down at IU. And anyway, out of that, we got a group of folks together and began to discuss what would be the best way to honor Governor Daniels. And something that would prolong his leadership style approach, but more importantly, to develop future leaders that could continue into Mitch Daniels' vein. And that's how it got started. So Harry and I actually raised the first billion, I don't know, two hundred thousand, which was easy. And first board and so forth. But the thing we did that was the smartest. After a couple of years, we brought in people like you and some other folks, much younger generation, turned it over to you. And what you all have done is remarkable. I think I heard or read there's been over 200 fellows in the Daniels leadership classes in the last few years and the kind of programs and projects they're working on. So I'm very proud to be a founding director, but I'm even more proud that we had the foresight to turn it over to the folks that have been running it and responsible for governments in the recent years. I do know because I have been involved that it has been a, a really great program to identify and, and promote uh, next generation leaders. So I appreciate you doing that. If I have it right, Earl, you grew up in Kentucky. Is that is that right? I did. 
was it GTE or is it something else that that brought you to Indiana uh, in the early days? And what made you decide to stick around in Indiana after eventually getting to Indiana? Yes, it was GTE. We had our headquarters for 20 states on the north side. And we weren't a very well-known company, even though we had about, in their total operation in the GTE North, about 36,000 employees and 10 or 12 billion in revenue, even back then. So that's what got me here. And as far as staying, I couldn't get my family to leave if I wanted to. However, it's one of the best decisions we've made is to make this our permanent home. And it is. So what do you think's next for you? You you, you, uh, are going to take some time off maybe after uh, Governor Holcomb leaves office, or maybe another governor could come calling and convince you to uh, continue your record run as uh, chief of staff? Well, at at my point in life, my long-term plan is is pretty short. So I have to confess, I haven't given any thought to what's next. Earl, we've made it to off the record speed round, where I'm going to ask you some quick questions and you give me a quick answer. So I'll, I'll, I'll get us started. So what's your favorite movie? The Godfather. Favorite place to vacation? Santa Fe. Favorite musical artist? Frank Sinatra and uh, Ray Charles. It's hard to pick between the two. What's the first thing you do in the morning? Make the coffee. Title of the last book you read? Well, I just finished two days ago, The Exchange, John Grissom's new book. And I listened to in the car, so I just finished listening to The Titan, which is the first book in 30 years or so on John D. Rock. It's fascinating. What food can you not live without? Country ham. Best advice you ever received? When I was 22 or 3 and starting out in my professional life. This is before emails or, you know, everything's paper. And man, I was just eating up. And my boss, a guy named Dillard Brumfield, older gentleman, and you go into his office and there might be one piece of paper, two at most, and everything was just orderly. So one day I said, Dillard, tell me your secret. How do you keep everything so organized and, and so forth? He said, it's real easy. And he said, by the way, I, I'm expecting you to ask me that sometime. He said, I get the same hundreds of pieces of paper, but there's only one or two that's really important. You just got to know which they are. And that stuck with me, that you really got to prioritize and focus on what's important. So that was a lifelong lesson that I, I still remember, and that was a long time ago. So do you keep your desk that clean today? It's pretty clean, yeah. Advice for a young person who wants to become a leader? Focus on the opportunity you're currently getting to perform. I think too many of us, whenever, we always worried about the next. And I guarantee you, if you really perform well, people are going to notice. So I usually ask Michael Jordan or LeBron James, but I'm going to say Daniels or Holcomb. You can choose which one of those you want to answer. Well, I got to answer the first one first, and it's Oscar Robinson. <laughs> Very good. But in terms of those two, and I'd be redundant, so I'm not going to go through it all again. They both were the right person for their time. And I think when I talk about all the things they've accomplished and it's left out many things, they're going to go down as two of the better governors this state's ever produced. And I guess I'm just proud to have a small part in supporting both of them. 
Well, we're glad that you have, Earl, and really appreciate you joining the Indiana 250 podcast off the record. Thank you so much for all you've done for our state and keep doing for our state. Thank you, Earl. Thank you. Thanks to Earl Good, Chief of Staff to Governor Holcomb, for our conversation today. To learn more about other leaders in IBJ Media's Indiana 250 list, go to indiana250.com and look for a page two feature each week in IBJ. We'll be back with a new Indiana 250 off-the-record conversation soon. Mm-hmm.